Welcome in to another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, DP Sidhu. It's great to have you in this offseason. A busy, busy week. The NFL draft taking place Thursday through Saturday. The Texans will be picking Friday, of course, which is when rounds two and three get picked. Texans picking at number 67 overall in round three. So, But you know what? We're still bringing you coverage Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll be answering fan questions via Facebook Live and Twitter. Um, we will have our recaps on HoustonTexans.com. You can listen to, tech, to Texans Draft Live on Sports Radio 610 Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, and company as they break down every single pick and give you extra in-depth coverage of the Houston Texans picks. And heading into this week's draft, a lot's happened in the offseason, obviously with Nick Casario all the free agency moves, and if you haven't noticed, you might want to check out HoustonTexans.com. I've got this series called Meet the Player, Meet the Texan, and I'm cranking through. I try to write one a day, and I've probably written about a dozen, and I probably have that many more, if not double, to go. It's it's a lot of free agents that Texans have signed this offseason, so a really different team. But how does that affect this draft process. We, I wanted to sit down with Wade Smith and find out his thoughts on that, who he's excited about out of the players the Texans have signed, as well as this entire draft process. It's so unique. It's even more unique than the 2020 draft process because if you remember, last year there was an NFL combine and about half the pro days or a lot of the pro days had happened before everything started to shut down because of COVID-19. Well, this year, no centralized NFL combine. There was a combine with some medical stuff happening, but really everything else, all the, the the player performance metrics, everything else that you see, all those drills were performed at the individual pro days. Um, scouts and teams, they had a chance to talk to players, but not in person the way they normally get to. It was all via Zoom. So I wanted to get Wade's thoughts on that as well and how he thinks that'll impact the draft this year. Uh, and how he thinks he would have fared in a 2021 NFL draft. So without further ado, let's get into it. But first, Xfinity XFi gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Score with internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. So here he is, Wade Smith, on the Deep Slant podcast. Former Texans offensive lineman, uh, now Texans legend. He's a legend in our minds and our hearts as well. Wade, it's always great to catch up with you, especially during what has been a really, really busy offseason for the Texans. Yeah, really, definitely a really busy offseason for, for the Texans. You, you look at the amount of moves that have been done by the Texans and by Nick Casario and his crew. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. I, I'm interested to see how all these guys shake out, but I'm really excited to see what they can bring to the table. You got a lot of veteran guys that are, you know, four or five, six years into their career. So they put some good film out there and, and now they're going to come in and, and compete for opportunities. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities to go around. So I'm excited to see how things all uh, shake out when everything gets started uh, this upcoming season. Yeah. Justin Reed spoke with the media. He called it a hell of a turnover on defense and, you could really say that about the offense too. Offensive line, for instance, I think half the guys on the roster right now were just added this offseason during free agency. So when you sort of look at all the moves that Nick Casario has made, has anything really jumped out to you? Maybe a pattern of the sort of guys that he's signing or any particular player that you're looking forward to seeing this year? Well, there's a few guys, there's a few moves that I, I thought that were made that I thought were pretty shrewd and I think going to pay huge dividends. I, I really love the trade for Marcus Cannon 
I, I think what Marcus Cannon has done as a, as a right tackle in this league um, has been tremendous. And so what he's going to bring in with better leadership, a guy that's won multiple Super Bowls and that could still play at a high level, I think is going to help out the offensive line uh, tremendously. The, the, the actual signing of, of James Campen as the offensive line coach, I think the, the Texans got bat, better in that in that role now. And, and now he's got some more pieces that he's added to the puzzle. Justin Britt. Um, McCoy, they have a bunch of new guys, new faces that are going to be there in the offensive line, but I think that they'll have a, a great opportunity to, to get together in jail. Um, and then look, some of the moves with some of the special teams guys that they brought in, I mean, he's, he made trades for Shaq Lawson on defense, but you look at, you know, on the special teams, a guy like Andre Roberts, who's been to multiple Pro Bowls as a returner, um, that, that pickup, I thought was, it, it was surprising to me that um, you know, you were able to get Andre Roberts for what they were able to get him for, for and a guy that has been um, going to the Pro Bowl the past few years. And so now you bring him into the fold and um, the Texans uh, uh, special teams have, have gotten better over the past few years. But I think they've added additional pieces to where it's going to even take a, another step forward. So I'm excited to see what a lot of these new faces uh, are, are able to do when they get the opportunities this year. All right, a, a lot to unpack there, Wade, in, in what you said. So let's start with James Campen because I, I know that a lot of people are really curious what a new offensive line coach brings to the table. You know, what are you expecting from him? You know, what are you most excited about? A new scheme, just seeing how these players fit in to the new scheme, how he coaches these guys up. I've noticed that everyone is listed as an offensive lineman. So you don't know who's going to be a tackle and who's going to be a guard. And, and we may see some moves on this starting five come week one. Um, when the Texans take the field. But but what are your expectations with, with Campen leading uh, this position group? Well, everything that I've heard from James Campen, because I've never played for him, but everything I've heard of, about him from other players and other coaches in the league is that um, he's a heck of a coach. He's one of the top offensive line coaches in the league. And so when you have that pedigree, pedigree when you come into the building, I think guys respect that. And uh, I think he's he's brought in a couple of guys that, he's, that has played under him in years past. So it's good to have those type of guys in the room so that they can kind of bridge the gap for some of the people that have already been here in Houston. And, and then some of the guys that have come from other places and, and all joined together so you, they can learn sooner than later um, how he likes to get things done as far as the different techniques that they're going to do, the different uh, communication that they're going to use up front. Um, I, I just, I, I look at what he was able to do with Green Bay all of those years. And, and then the fact that he's played or he's coached under certain schemes that I'm, I'm excited about potentially being here in Houston. Um, I, I think that's going to pay, pay dividends for the Texans organization. And as far as the, the scheme that they're actually going to run, I mean, there's a lot of new faces on the offensive side of the ball and, and, and the coaching staff and some guys that have been retained and not all of them have necessarily coached and utilized the same scheme in the NFL. So what they're actually going to do, I don't think we're going to really find that out until, you know, week one, week two in the, in, in the, in the season. And so that's something that you can use to your advantage because, um, you know, teams are not going to necessarily know exactly what to prepare for. I don't know how much stock you can really put into the preseason, especially since you're, you're getting rid of games and, and guys are, you know, you're really you're very vanilla in the preseason, but it'd be interesting to see, is this, is this a, a David Cully thing? You know, David Cully being the head coach, but coming from the Baltimore Ravens and coming from the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, is this more of an Andy Reid type of deal? Or is it, you know, you got Pep Hamilton as the quarterback's coach that came from 
um, the Chargers and he's with Anthony Lynn. Is he you're doing those type of things? Been in Buffalo before. Like there's there's a lot of uh, excuse me, not Buffalo before. That was uh, that was David Cully, but he's he's been in various spots before where he didn't utilize what Tim Kelly, who is the offensive coordinator, has done here for the past few years with Bill O'Brien. So um, it'll be interesting to see how everything comes together and what kind of line of thinking they they utilize going forward. But I think James Kemp and being an offensive line coach, that's kind of a solidifying force um, up front. And so guys can get all on the same page. And that's the biggest thing with offensive line. Like, can we get everybody on the same page, doing the same things, understanding what the, what the expectations are of one another? And if you can do that, then you can have a, a great opportunity to have success. Yeah, and it's pretty cool that Campen and, and Pep worked together with the Chargers last year. So a little bit of continuity for the two of them having had worked together in the past. Uh, we talk about Nick Casario. He made over 70 moves this offseason, brought in a lot of players. And I thought it was really interesting in his press conference when he was asked about uh, position groups and positions of need that just because you've got all these offensive linemen are so many defensive backs on the roster doesn't necessarily preclude the Texans from drafting at that position um, in, in the draft. So, so what are your thoughts on that? You know, with, with all the position groups on the roster and creating that competition, does it really change who you think the Texans might be looking for in this year's draft? I think a lot of people are saying defense because Levy, Levy Smith brings in a, a new scheme, but what about your thoughts? I want to know, what, what do you think the Texans are going to do in this year's draft? Well, I, I look at it like this. It's, it's a situation now that there's so many new faces and there's so many guys that are playing under short-term contracts that have just been brought into the building. And um, I don't I don't think that they're going to specialize or, or focus on one particular thing. I think they're going to try to find as much value as they can in, in the draft as possible. So, if they have got, they're going to rate everybody. And, and once the, the draft board gets put up there and they're going to see, uh, you know, there's going to be certain guys that are going to fall in the draft. It happens every year. I don't think that they're beholden to any particular people or position groups. And so I think they're going to try to find value. They're going to try to find a guy that a guy like Justin Reed, that you thought would have been a late first round pick or early second round pick that you end up drafting in the third round. That's great value. So I, I feel like they're going to try to find guys like that and, Whatever position group that is, I think is going to be determined by the guy that end up the guys that end up dropping in the draft. If it's a quarterback, if it's a wide receiver, it's a tight end, whatever it may be. I don't see a position group on a team that I say, you know what, that position group is completely solidified. You know, you don't you don't want to add any pieces there. You want to try to add value wherever you can. So I I think that that's what the line of thinking is going to be. Um, with the organization and, and we'll see what that what shakes out from that and how much moving and shaking goes on in the draft. I'll be interested to see that because what I've seen from Nick Casario and, and, and what is in his time with the Patriots, those guys do a lot of moving in the draft, um, moving down, moving up to get particular guys that they like. And so I, I would expect that you would see some of the same things here, especially since uh, the Texans first pick is not into the third round. Yeah, so no clear-cut predictions from Wade Smith on any positions in particular that the Texans are dropping. No, Is that, am I getting that right? That's exactly right because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to – I look at the roster and I don't say to myself, you know what, they got to get a DB. You know what, they got to get a wide receiver. You know what, they got to get this or that. Like they've brought in so many veteran guys at all these different spots that are under reasonable contracts that it, the difference between what you're paying a rookie in that spot and paying the veteran guy – is 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 functionally it's it's not that big of a deal and so i could see them 
sticking with a lot of the guys that they brought in that they're going to be seeing over uh, the next few, you know, that they've already been starting with the offseason program and, and, and going that route. I just think value. Value is the most important thing in this draft. And I think that's kind of the line of thinking of, of Nick Casario anyway, just from everything that I've heard and, and seen about him is that you know, he's going to try to find, find value everywhere he can, anywhere he can. And so what position group that will be, it's whoever drops. And, and maybe my prediction will be what position group that tends to have guys drop. Um, I'll, I'll say DBs, just mm. like Justin Reed, like DBs will, for some, you know, for some reason or, or, or another, you'll find a, a DB that'll drop in, drop in a draft, a guy like Ty Matthew, Justin Reed, guys that, that should have been drafted much higher and they ended up falling. Well, because they're going to pick, quarterbacks get picked early all the time. You know, offensive linemen get picked early because once they run out, you, you know, the chances of you getting a really good one, I think drops tremendously. So I'll go DB just because those guys tend to drop more than other, and, and maybe a running back. Running backs tend to drop too. Yeah, John Harris, via John Harris, he does say, say that there are a lot of running backs um, in this draft, a lot of depth at that position. Uh, let's talk about the draft process because this one has been um, so unique. Even last year with the pandemic, uh, the players still were able to go through a centralized NFL combine. That's something that didn't happen this year. So it plays so much more importance on the pro days. And then only three representatives from each team were allowed to go to the pro days. You couldn't do one-on-ones with each player. You had to do them via Zoom. What are your thoughts on that? You know, is it is it an advantage for players? Is it a disadvantage that they get to do everything at the pro day? How does how do you think that will change player evaluations this year and, and how players approach the draft process? I think it just shows it gives guys opportunities to show how easily and how quickly they can adapt to um, unforeseen situations, things that you can't control. That's part of being an NFL player is are you able to adapt and, and adjust to to things that you can't control? And so guys that are able to do that, well, I think that'll pay off for them um, when, you, when you're slotting guys on a draft or determine, okay, how did this guy react to this situation? Um, because if, if you're able to handle adversity, if you're, if you're able to, to adjust on the fly, the chances are, you, you know, you're going to be able to translate that on the field. And that's the type of guys that NFL teams need. You need guys that are going to be able to be flexible and guys that are going to be able to adjust on the fly. And so there's going to be players out there that because of this change, they're going to they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to get drafted higher than they would have if things were standard the way they used to be. It's going to be other guys that um, because of the the. The, the nuances and the new the changes that they're not used to and getting out of the routine, they may drop a little bit on the board. At the same time, once you get into the league, once you get your opportunities, that's when you're going to determine what your fate is going to be as an NFL player. I mean, you can start slow. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is the higher you drafted, the kind of the more opportunities, the more margin for error that you have uh, to, 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 to stick in this league. And, and the lower you get drafted or if you go undrafted, in your margin for error and your opportunities to, to make mistakes kind of it, it shrinks a little bit. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, the guys that take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of them and, and maybe they're, they're doing their pro, bowl, their pro, uh, pro day at their own school. Hey, you're in this comfortable situation. You're, you're running on some turf that you've been running on for the past three, four, five years in your career. You can take advantage of that deal. Some, some guys get into, um, a pressure pack situation like the combine. And I personally, I didn't think the combine was a pressure pack situation, but 
you know, some guys kind of feel that pressure. And so when that pressure comes, how do you react to it? How do you respond to it? That's why the combine is something that a lot of the coaches really enjoy and the scouts enjoy because you want to see how guys compete against one another when, you know, you got a guy from Cat from Cal University and then there's another guy from from BYU and there's another guy from um, Appalachian State or from the University of Memphis or wherever it may be you got these guys from all over the country coming to one spot and competing um, in, in various drills competing in the, in the, on the on the bench press and the 40 and, and the interviews and all the things that goes along with the, the combine um, you know there's, there's guys that thrive in those situations. There's guys that don't. And that's the great thing about the NFL, man. You, you can figure out pretty quickly if you're going to be, if you're built for this and if you're not. And, you know, the ones that that, that can't cut it, they end up falling to the wayside. And the ones that, that do have uh, really long careers, um, bar an injury. And so I'm excited to see how these guys deal with it. Fortunately for these, 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 this set of rookies, um, they've, they've kind of had a head start on it than the ones last year. Cause the guys last year, there was just, it just dropped on everybody out of the blue, you know, March is when everything kind of shut down. And then a month later you got the draft coming. And so I'm sure, you know, a lot of guys had to adjust that on the fly, but I think the coaches are going to be better prepared. I think the scouts are going to be better prepared because they had the, the, the experience from what happened last year. And so they'll, they'll figure out ways to, to, to get the best out of the guys and, and, and be able to slot them where they need to be slotted and then and pick the guys that are available to them on the draft. Yeah, it's a good point because last year we had seen some of the pro days take place and then half of them got canceled and it just was every, you know, there, it was just right in the middle for some players like who were waiting to do stuff on their pro day and, and things just didn't get scheduled the way that they were able to this year because we had a heads up about COVID and, and how uh, to go about doing these pro days. I, I want to ask you, cause you're a third round draft pick in 2003 if you were going through this draft process this year, do you think you would have gone higher or lower? And why? Uh, that's a great question. I, I probably would have went lower because- You think so? Yeah, the reason why I say that is because when I went to the combine, which they didn't have this year, I went to the combine and I, and I, and I did an excellent job. Like I got mm. around, I went to University of Memphis, only played offensive line for two years. Um, and so, you know, the film that scouts have on you, there might be a handful of games that they say, all right, this is good tape to watch because he's playing against NFL caliber players. Um, but when I went to the combine, you know, I'm around, you know, Jonathan Stinchcomb from Georgia. I'm around, um, you know, Steinbeck and Jordan Gross and all these guys from all over the, the country that went to these bigger schools. And they say, well, this dude, he, he's just as athletic as, as some of these guys, if not more. Um, his upside is tremendous. I, I, I like what I see out of him. I like how his interviews are going um, and how he's reacting amongst all these guys that he necessarily wouldn't would see or be with um, on a day-to-day -day basis at his, at his university. So I think that might've hurt me. I think it, it, I think it hurt guys last year that came from smaller schools or, or didn't have opportunity to do things like uh, the senior, I think the senior bowl took place last year, but just the, mm -hmm. the various um, opportunities to get together with guys that you're not normally around. I think that probably, it probably would have ended up hurting me, but um, at the end of the day, I don't care if I would have got drafted in the first round or if I got drafted in the seventh round or went undrafted at all. When I showed up at training camp, how did I work? How would I work? Those are the things that are going to be determined factor if you last in this league, because it's one thing to get drafted. It's one thing to get an opportunity. That's 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 great. That's awesome. But can you can you be a lasting presence in this league? Can you excel in this league? 
um, those things are, are are done by you know the hard work and, and dedication that you put in on a day to day basis. Learning how to be a pro, figuring out um, how to navigate being um, a professional athlete. And so, um, at the end of the day, maybe I would have started a little bit lower down the line. But at the end of the day, I think I still would have had a similar career because um, those those things that um, aren't determined by your draft status um, are the things that carry you um, throughout your career. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting note to make. Once you're drafted by a team, your your work ethic is your work ethic. You're only going to work yeah. as hard as you're going to work, and it doesn't really even matter where you're drafted. But uh, looking back on your draft experience, um, now that you know what you know and you've played in the league all these years, uh, and now you've been out of it, you probably had some time to reflect. Is is there anything that you would do differently in preparing for the draft that you that you wish that you had done back then? Preparing for the draft, I'd say I'd say no. Not prepare, my preparation for the draft, I thought went really well. I went from a guy that was supposed to be um, undrafted or seventh round guy to getting drafted in the third round, and an organization trading picks to get me. Um, I think if I could go back and tell myself anything around that draft time, is that um, I, I think I, I got my attitude as a as an NFL player like. A, and I, I really can't say the term I want to say because, you know, this is, you know there's some sure there's kids watching. For radio and TV, yes. Uh-huh. I get your drift, yeah. But I kind of, I, I kind of got my, um, my edge later in my career, probably like three, four years into the career where I really started playing the game with an edge and playing the game with kind of a mentality of, um, you know, whatever it takes to get it done, I'm going to get it done. And, and how, how protective you are of the guys around you and the guys next to you. And, and maybe I needed to, to taste a little bit of adversity in order to, to, to get to that point. And there's one thing of saying, you know, Hey, I'm going to finish blocks. And there's another thing saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make that grown man move where he doesn't want to move and he can't do anything about it. Like I would have, I would have said be, be meaner sooner. You know what I mean? Cause I came into the league yeah. I came into the league kind of wide-eyed, just trying to learn and just do what I was coached to do. And there's 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 something to be said for that that that'll sustain you. But then when you get to that stage of, all right, I know what I I'm supposed to do now. How am I going to do it? How how what what finish and emphasis am I going to do in the things that when I get my opportunities on the field? And so I'd probably go back and tell myself that. But as far as draft preparation, I thought I did well, man. I had. Uh, um, Dean Lotz, uh, rest in peace. He, he was my, um, trainer back in Memphis that got me prepared for the draft, him and Harry Shue. And those two guys, uh, they, they did a tremendous job and got me prepared, prepared. And so I went into training camp in great shape. Um, I went into training camp, uh, um, my technique was pretty dang good for a rookie. And so I ended up starting every game my rookie year in the NFL. So I, I think the draft prep went, went, went really well. Well, we wouldn't change anything because then you wouldn't have ended up with the Texans. So I think that everything worked out the way that it was meant to work out. You know what's uh, crazy though is what's is, that? Okay, so I ended up I ended up signing with the Texans um, in 2010. Of course, Gary Kubiak was the coach at the time. They were really looking at me and were high on me in coming out of the draft. And so they probably would have wanted to pick me like fifth or sixth round. Like, like I said, somebody traded up to get me. If, if it would have been like these COVID times then, let's say, hypothetical, um, and I, I fell in the draft, I might have ah. got picked up by the Denver Broncos back then. And then I might have still ended up with the Texans around the same time when Kubiak came. 
but my my career would have ended up going a, a different way. Maybe I don't make a stop in New York and in, in Miami, um, in Kansas City. Maybe I'm in Denver, kind of like kind of like Chris Myers. It's kind of weird because right. me and Chris Myers at some point were supposed to be team, teammates, and he's one of my my best buds. But like at some point or another, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like we were gonna we we're meant to be teammates, and so it ended up working out that way just in 2010 with the Texans. Yeah, maybe you guys would have swapped places in your careers in an alternate universe somewhere. Who knows? Who knows? In the upside down, like Stranger Things. That's right. In the upside down. Yeah. Um, all right. You talk about being mean and nasty and having an edge, but we know you're just like a big teddy bear off the field, especially with your foundation and everything that you do. Um, is it back up and running again? I know with COVID, you were still putting on events, but what, what have you been working on um, on that front? Well, really, what we've had to do is do virtual, like reading with the pros, but do it virtually. Um, we were able to still do our scholarship program and, and, and give out scholarships to kids here in Houston this season, this year. And so we were excited about being able to do that. We have kids all over the country. Some kids, we've had the program going on so long that now that we've had kids that um, are in the workplace, have graduated from institutions, Georgia Tech and Syracuse, and of course the Texas Schools, University of Texas, uh, uh, Texas, uh, Texas Tech. Like we've had kids all over the the country that have gone through the, our our scholarship program and are now in the workplace. And uh, guys, U of H is just schools all over the place. That I'm really excited about that. And and we're looking forward to things getting back to normal sooner than later, so that we can get back to doing our major events, so we can fundraise and and bring in those those dollars, so that we can um, we can affect kids in a positive manner uh, for years to come. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, Wade. Um, we'll be sure to be on the lookout for your events. What's your What's your uh, website for your foundation? If you want to throw it out there for people, you can go to uh, wadesmithfoundation.org. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at wadesmithfound, and you can follow me on on Twitter and Instagram at, at smitty74 all day. We we have updates and. And, and various uh, things going on throughout the year. And you can catch up and, and keep up with us uh, on those on those social media platforms. All right, good stuff, Wade. As always, love catching up with you in the off season and the regular season, any time of year, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us on the Deep Slant, Prison by Xfinity. Always a good time to be with you, Deep, appreciate it. All right, great stuff as always from Wade Smith. And I hope to keep bringing you podcasts. I think the next plan of action would be to check in around the AFC South, see how the other teams fared and uh, what their team reporters think about what their free agency and offseason have looked like, what this division is shaping up to be. Because you know what? The NFL schedule will be coming out in the next few weeks and then we'll have a lot, a lot more to talk about as we see who's on the docket for the Texans, what week and when. We know basically who they're playing. We just don't know what weeks they'll be playing. So a lot's going to happen in the next few weeks. And of course, hopefully we can get some of these new draft picks, some of these new players, these free agents on the Deep Slant podcast as well. So we're trying to bring it to you as often as we can here in the off season. But in the meantime, be sure to check out HoustonTexans.com and Texans All Access every night from 6 to 7 p.m. In fact, I'll be hosting the pre-draft show this Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. I usually get John McClain on, John Harris, Drew Doherty. Uh, we'll be giving you, getting you ready for this NFL draft because you know what? Uh, if you're not ready yet, you might as well have a little crash course. And of course, you want to check out the Harris 100 on HoustonTexans.com because that's how all of us prepare for the draft. That's how all of us should prepare for the draft. So that's all coming up. Big, big week ahead. Uh, hope all of you out there stay safe. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Texans.